Awesome. Welcome, everyone. So good to have you with us today. Welcome to the new year, 2023. Let's hope that it's a goodie. Come on, I'm seeing some excited people. It's going to be a great year. You know what? The reality is, is that God is in every year, isn't it? God's in every year. And even when a year doesn't go the way we kind of hope or think or plan, God's still in that. It's so important for us to be able to find God in whatever set of circumstances that we are in because God doesn't go on vacation when things get tough for us. God is here. God is with you. And that is a wonderful thing. Hands up who's been away, who's got a, couple of, got a bit of time out of Auckland. Anyone been out of Auckland? Plenty of people been out of Auckland. That's good. Anyone, hands up if you've had some day trips, getting out of the house, going to the beaches? A few people. Yeah, look, it's been beautiful weather, right? After an incredibly wet spring, it's nice that the sun has arrived. And uh, now we've all just got to make sure that we don't get skin cancer. All right, so, you know, slip, slap, slop. You, you heard it here first. So that's awesome. Well, look, it's great to be able to share uh, with you this morning. Uh, real privilege. And um, what we're doing over, this, over the January period is we're really trying to bring some teaching that has really impacted our lives personally with the hope that it will also really impact your lives as we go into this new year. Next, year, next week, I'm going to be preaching on how to hear the voice of God. I'm going to be sharing a story about a young man many years ago, actually in the first church I pastored, who got himself in a power of trouble because he thought he was hearing from God, but he wasn't. And as a result of that, I realized as the pastor of the church that I wasn't doing a good job teaching our young adults how to know how, what it is when God speaks. So we're going to talk about that next week. Today, what we're going to talk about is seasons, seasons of our lives. I remember a number of years ago, I was starting a new job, and uh, it was a really exciting time for me. Uh, I was going into a situation where I, I was pretty familiar with what was going on, and there were some issues, and, and I was pretty excited about being able to bring some change. I really felt God had called me to this. I, I kind of knew the sorts of things that I was going to have to do, and I was confident uh, in both God's call and my ability to be able to make a change, and, and it was a really exciting time for me. Yet at the exact same time, Liz, my wife, was going through the exact opposite thing. She was finding that God was asking her to, to give up some things that she'd been doing and involved in and sowing into for many years, and things that had been really fruitful. She found God was calling her to step back from being involved in different areas, and it was an extremely difficult time for her. She didn't, in the natural, want to give up these things, but she really felt God saying to her, no, I want you to step back, I want you to let go, I want you to cut that off, I want you to not do any of this anymore. And the reality is we all experience times like this, right? We all experience times in our lives when we wonder what's going on. You know, if you were to look at Liz and myself in that season, to look at that and to try and work out what was going on, was it that I was succeeding and Liz was failing? Is that what was going on in the middle of that? Was it that I was going forward while Liz was going backwards? Of course, the answer is not at all. In fact, what was happening for Liz was that God was setting her up. God was making room in her life for the next big thing that he was going to ask her to do, open a door for her to step into, which we, of course, didn't see until like, I don't know, maybe a year later, looking back, and we went, ah, oh, that makes so much sense now. Wow, God really had to do that in order 
for Liz to be able to step into this and, and to move into this season of her life. And likewise, there have been times in my life when it seems like everything is dying, everything is not working, everything is being taken away, and it's difficult, and it feels like failure, and we're not sure how to navigate those things. I want to talk today about seasons. This has been incredibly helpful for me personally, for Liz and I, and for our team. So let me take you to the scriptures this morning. We're going to read from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 and 3. I'm sure many of you are familiar with this passage. It's a very powerful passage. Here's what it says. There is a time for everything and a season, there it is, and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build. This is kind of interesting, right? Because if we're honest, we're all pretty happy with half of what Solomon is saying. <laughs> like we're all pretty happy with the time to be born, and not so keen on the time to die bit. We're all pretty, pretty happy about the, about the time to plant. That sounds like fun. But the time to uproot, like, where are we going with this, God? What's all that about? You know, the whole thing of there's a time to build. Yeah, like, you know, build, build. A time to tear down. That doesn't sound like very much fun, Lord. That doesn't sound like success. That doesn't sound like growth. That doesn't sound like progress. What's going on with that? And yet God, in his infinite wisdom, has given us, in the cycles of the seasons of the planet itself, an astonishingly helpful picture of what goes on in the spiritual in our lives as well. You know, the challenge is, is that as we've increasingly become less agricultural as a society, we, it's easy for us to kind of miss this idea of seasons. When we're disconnected from the land, we, we don't tend to notice in quite the same way the, the movement from winter into spring, the movement from spring into summer, the movement from summer into autumn or harvest time. I grew up in Katakati in the Bay of Plenty, and, and it was a great place for us to grow up. But if you know Katakati, Katakati is entirely, and has been for the last 20 years, uh, built around the kiwifruit industry. And that meant that any young person like myself growing up, now, when you got a holiday job, it was a holiday job. It wasn't a holiday job in the mall, it was a holiday job on the orchard, just Everyone in my school, everyone I knew, worked in agriculture. And whether that was, uh, whether that was uh, in, in the kind of April, May uh, holidays when it's picking season, harvest season, in that autumn season, when everyone's earning heaps of money and you're picking the kiwi fruit and you're getting packed and sent off to the export markets, or whether it's actually in the middle of winter, when it's winter pruning time, which is just, you know, all the vines look dead. And you're going through orchard after orchard after orchard, just cutting away and hauling out huge volumes of what appear to be dead vines, leaving nothing but a, a, a trunk, a stalk of a vine coming out of the ground, and a leader going that way, and a leader going that way, maybe a couple of meters long, and then a couple of little short ones long, and everything else is cut away. Everything else is dragged away and burnt. Everything that carried the fruit 
that we were picking just a few months before now is cut off and pulled away. Or whether it's in the middle of summer, having to go through orchards again and again and again, summer pruning, cutting off all the new growth so that the the energy of the plant will go into the fruit, not into the leaves, not into new shoots. Oh man, summer pruning just about blooming killed me. I just hated it because, because it keeps growing, right? You just finish an orchard and then you know that four weeks later you're going to be back and have to do the whole orchard again. Oh, I am not made for horticulture. But it gave me an understanding of seasons. And we're going to look at that a little bit today. You see, for a farmer or a horticulturalist, knowing what to do and what not to do in each season is absolutely critical. If you sow seed in the wrong season, if you sow your seed in winter, you will, you will not have a crop. If you, if you don't consistently water and tend the vines in that long, hot summer season, your crop will be small. And if you don't bring the harvest in in autumn at the right time, if you pull it in too early or if you, you don't pull it in at all or pull it in too late and it just all begins to rot on the vines, you, you, lose your, you lose your crop. Knowing what to do in each season and knowing what not to do in each season is integral and it relates to our lives in very profound ways. And I'd like to unpack some of that today. So let me ask you, this is the key season, this is the key question for us in this, in this time we have together today. This is the question, what season am I in and what must I be doing now? What season am I in and what must I be doing now? So let's go for a bit of a wander through the four seasons. The first one is winter. If you are in a winter season, winter is the death period. It is a season of endings, a season of evaluation, a season of preparation. It's a season when very little is happening above the ground. All of the growth from last season has died. If, you've, if you're cropping, all of your fields are bare. There's nothing growing. If you're growing vines, all of the vines look dead. That is what is happening. Likewise, if you're in a winter season, it can feel like that in your career. It can feel like that in your friendships or relationships. It can feel like that in your finances. It feels like there's just nothing there. It's like nothing is growing. Nothing is working. We're going backwards. I know some people are feeling like that with your KiwiSaver right now, right? Yeah, it just feels like it's just going backwards. So winter speaks of endings. It's the end of a growing season. Listen to this. And it's the preparation for a new season. See, winter is when the farmer gets all the things done that he can't get done in a harvest season. He gets his tractor serviced, he gets his, implement, he gets his implements fixed and serviced. It's when he, he looks at his crop rotations, it's when he sits down and he plans out what the next cycle of seasons are going to be like. It's when he books ahead to get the, the, the guys in to plow the fields and turn them over. He gets the superphosphate guy. He, that's when all this is planned. It's in a winter season. But that doesn't take away from the fact that winters can feel difficult. The season of endings. Plants that were fruitful, but the fruit is gone now. Here we go. Or projects that were fruitful, but the fruit is now gone. 
It's not getting the results that it got when you started that project. Or plans that were fruitful. This was getting me on the right track, but now it's not getting any traction anymore. Relationships even that were fruitful, that were life-giving, but now there's nothing coming from that. And so winter is a season of pruning. It's a season of cutting back. Why? Why is winter a season of cutting back? What's its purpose? A winter season is absolutely critical to make way for next year's growth. In your life, God will bring you into winter seasons again and again and again so that he can prepare you for future growth. You see, if you don't prepare for a new season, winter can become permanent. In the natural, that doesn't happen, of course. The cycle of seasons keep going through. It just means that if, if you don't prepare in a winter season, you don't have a harvest next time around. But sometimes, as people, as humans, we can get stuck in a season. When we don't understand the purpose of a season, we don't do the things that we should do, and we don't stop doing the things that we need to stop. You see, winter's not a bad season, but it can be a painful season. Winter is not a season of decrease. Listen to this. Winter is a season of design. Dr. Henry Cloud, the author of an excellent book called Necessary Endings, he says this. He says, we see several examples in Scripture of necessary endings that had to occur so that a new season could begin. Abraham was instructed to leave his country, his people, and his father's household to go to a land that God would show him when he got there so that God could make him into a great nation and use him as a blessing for all people on earth. The Israelites, they had to leave everything that they had known in Egypt so that so that God could deliver them from slavery, that God could lead them into their promised land and unfold the blessings of God before them. The Jews in exile we read about in the book of Jeremiah they had to let go of their plans to return as soon as they could back to Jerusalem so that they could move on with what God was wanting to do with them, even in exile. The disciples needed to leave their lives as fishermen so that Jesus could provide them with an abundant new life as fishers of men. If you are in a winter season, you have to ask, what needs to end now so that you can move forward? Are there attitudes that you've got to end, you've got to deal with? Is there blame or resentment? Which is just kind of being an undercurrent, you've just noticed that it starts to become a thing that actually God is putting his finger on saying, you have to end that. You have to stop that. You've got to let those go. You've got to move on from those. Are there relationships, friendships even, that actually in this season are not helpful for you? That maybe actually you need to let some go to move on. Are there activities that need to be ended so that you can move forward 
leaving the past behind as you move into the next season, a season of spring, which we'll talk about in a moment, that God has for you. If you're in a winter season, there can be three things that you need to cut off. Let me go through these quickly. The first thing is this. You need to cut off what is not essential. Cut off what is not essential. There is always more to do than, than you can do. What do you love? What's the root of the, of the things that have been great in your life in the past? We've got, to, we've got to learn to understand what are our, our giftings? What are the things that God has enabled us through? What are we passionate about? Look for the best in your life and prune the rest. Secondly, we need to cut off what is sick. What is sick? What is alive in your life? But if we're honest, it's not healthy. What's dragging you down? What's causing you difficulty? Look for what is causing you pain and deal with it. Choose to cut that away and move on into the next season God has planned for you. And thirdly, we need to cut off what is dead. Sometimes, if we're honest, we carry dead wood. We carry habits, we carry activities, commitments, obligations. We carry things in our lives which have died long ago. But for a variety of reasons, we're just afraid to cut them off and leave them behind. If you're in a winter season, you've got to identify what's dead in my life, what's actually just not even alive anymore. Deal with that and move on. We can be afraid to let go. I want to say to you, do not let fears stop you from moving into what God has planned ahead for you. you know, I, I love this story. I've shared this before. Of Steve Jobs, uh, the co-founder of Apple, who left the company in 85 after a, you know, a tussle with the board of directors. Apple was his baby. They wanted to go in a different direction, and they parted ways. Nine years later, the company was foundering. It was floundering. It was in deep, deep trouble. Stock prices had plummeted, and in desperation, they brought Steve Jobs back as CEO in 1997. What is the first thing he did? You see, the first thing he did was he realized that his company was in a winter season. And he needed to cut off everything that wasn't essential. He needed to cut off everything that was sick. He needed to cut off everything that was dead wood in order to move on into what he was meant to be doing. The first thing that Steve Jobs did was he took the 350 development projects that Apple was working on and he cut it down to 50 and then he cut it down to 10. Shortly thereafter, under Steve's leadership, they released the iMac, the iPod, iTunes, and the iPhone, four of those 10. And as we know, it changed the world. Under his leadership, then things began to turn around, and over the next few years, Apple's stock rose more than 9,000%. You have to do the right things in the winter season, even if it's difficult, if you are to move on. Amen? Okay. Second season is this. It's the spring season. Dr. Henry Cloud describes the spring season as a time to sow. A time to sow. If there's going to be a harvest, he says, <coughs> excuse me, there must be a time of sowing to new things. And I think this is so helpful. He gives... His definition of sowing. Sowing is, listen to this, doing something new that has no fruit now. 
doing something new that has no fruit now. And, and spring can be a difficult season. It can be an exciting season. There's new things on the go. There's change that you can feel that's happening. There's energy that you're pouring into things, but it can still be difficult because nothing really changes a whole lot in a spring season. You're putting a lot in, but you're not seeing a lot happen. Remember, it's doing things that are new that have no fruit now. But it takes hard work. Hard work, day by day, blessing without being blessed. The question you need to ask if you think you're in a spring season is, what do I need to add now so that I will see new results in the future? And can I suggest that you're going to have to be prepared to sow three things. Firstly, you're going to have to be prepared to sow time. Small amounts of time, large amounts of time. You have to sow that into new activities, into new people, new habits, new learnings. Four years ago when I started my master's, I realized very, very quickly that unless I was going to be able to set aside chunks of time to sow into this, there was going to be no harvest. There was going to be no graduation. I had to take my day off. I had to take evenings and set aside and sow time into that. And it was difficult because, man, I felt like a beginner all over again. I'm learning things I didn't have any understanding of. It took me ages to get my head around things, but that's what you've got to do in a spring season. You've got to sow time. Second thing is you've got to be prepared to sow money. There's going to be a cost. It's going to cost you something financially. It might be a little. It might be a lot. It might be a, a course you've got to pay for, a conference you need to go to. It might be something you've got to cut back on, trim your budget down so that you can make time for this new thing, but it's going to cost you. You're going to have to sow some finance. And then thirdly, you're going to have to sow energy. And who knows when, you, when energy is in short supply, man, to try, and, to try and find some energy to sow into something new can be a challenge, but if you're going to go forward, you have to do that, which means that you're going to have to cut back somewhere else in order to take the energy that you need to sow into new things. The farmer doesn't just keep on doing everything that he was doing in the winter season when spring comes. He stops plowing. He stops his planning, and he starts sowing. Likewise in our lives, to move from winter to spring, you've got to stop something, and then you've got to start something. And that means changing some things in your own life, personal habits, routines. <clears throat> what do you need to add into your day or your week in order to see new things happen, new things come? You know, look, over many years, I've worked with many, many marriages. And it still astonishes me how sometimes a couple will come for marriage counseling, their marriage is in a tough place, but one or both of them are not willing to do anything new. You have to realize if you want to see change, something has to change. In a spring season, be ready to do something New. Have some idea of what you want tomorrow and start sowing for it today in small ways. And it's important to realize that the seed is different from the fruit. We don't sow fruit, we sow seeds. We sow small things that God grows that produce great fruitfulness in our lives. Like the Bible says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. 
How do you climb Mount Everest? One step at a time. Okay. The third season is a summer season. Dr. Henry Cloud says that the summer season is all about waiting for the promise. Waiting for the promise. In the natural, for example, in the kiwi fruit, uh, in the kiwi fruit industry, summer is challenging because the fruit's on the vine. The fruit's there. It's, it's, it's heavy. It's, but if you pick it, it will be of no use. The sugar content is, is wrong. It will be bitter to the taste. Nobody will buy it. And one of the challenges about a summer season is it's a grind. In a summer season, you've got to keep on doing the things that you've been doing, and you've got to keep doing it until God takes you into a harvest season. You've got to keep tending to the small things. You've got to keep those habits going, even when you're not quite seeing yet the results that you were hoping to see. In a summer season, maybe you've worked hard and you've earned a promotion, but it just hasn't come your way yet. Or maybe you're in a relationship with someone that's special. You, you've been working on this. You've been romancing them. You, you're hoping this is going to go somewhere, but it just kind of hasn't quite got to that place yet. Or maybe you've been trying to change your health. You've been working out, you've been eating healthy, you've been doing that thing, but you're just not, not seeing the pounds drop off yet. You're, just, you're not seeing the muscle seem to grow just yet. That's, that's a summer season when you're close, but you're not there yet. When you've been working hard and it feels like you just got to keep working hard. What do you do in a summer season? Summer is a time for staying the course, listen to this, and not getting distracted when it's not fun anymore. Fun is coming. It's called harvest, but you're not there yet. So the question you need to ask if you are in a summer season is, what do I have to keep doing so that the harvest will come? Three things that you've got to keep consistent in in a, in a summer season. Firstly, your core habits. Those things that you repeatedly do that define your character, that make you who you are. What is it that you, do, you, do you always pray and read your Bible? Well, in a summer season where, you, where you're just not getting much anymore, don't stop. Stay consistent. Do, do you always get up in the morning and go and exercise? This part of your, your sewing, your new routine, but you're just not seeing the results. Well, just don't give up now. Keep that habit going, whatever that is. Do you always kiss your spouse before you go to work or as soon as you get home from work, but you guys are having some challenges right now. Well, don't stop doing those things. Stay consistent in your core habits. Resist shortcuts. Secondly, you've got to keep consistent in your core values. The things that matter to you. Don't lay those aside because you haven't seen the promise come through yet. Because your values determine the quality of your success. What are the things that matter to you? in terms of how you roll, in terms of how you do things, how you treat people, the priority that God is in your life, how you deal with adversity. What are the things that you would never do? Well, don't compromise on that when you're in the midst of a long, hot summer season. Resist compromising your character. There are so many stories in the Bible 
of people who compromised their character in a summer season and lost the promise that was coming their way. The third thing you've got to stay consistent in is core activities. What are those things that you do that determine your outcomes? Stay disciplined. Keep doing those things. If you're in business, what are the core activities as a business that you do that you believe are integral to your success, even if you haven't seen that success come through yet? Don't stop doing those things. You know, many years ago, there was a, a book written um, called From Good to Great by Jim Collins. It was about some of the biggest and most successful companies in the world. Then what happened is the global financial crisis happened, and a whole bunch of those companies disappeared literally almost overnight. So Jim Collins went, and, and he did a whole lot more research, and he wrote another book called How the Mighty Fall. If you're in business, you need to read that book. How the Mighty Fall. And he looked at those companies that were once great and then disappeared almost overnight. And he noticed that there were trends that happened in those businesses. And, and, and in terms of when a company falls, when an organization falls, when a marriage falls, what he identified was that there's a point at which you can save it. But this is so interesting. But he said, at that point, it's not then about finding the silver bullet. It's about getting back to doing the things that you used to do that made that great in the first place. Go back, if, in your business, go back to doing the things, treating customers well, serving people, keeping value for money, those core things that you did that made you great in the start. Get back to doing those things. In your marriage, get back to doing those things that made you, 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 you guys magical in the first place. Being present for one another, treasuring one another, making time to prioritize romance for each other, getting back to those things in a summer season. Do not take shortcuts. Sorry, do not take shortcuts. Resist giving up. Because here's the challenge, right? You've been through winter, you've pruned your life, you've worked out what's going on, you've gained focus, you've gone through spring, you've tried to put new things in place, you've worked to put those in place. And now you find yourself in a summer season and it just hasn't happened yet. And the problem at that point is, is that it can feel like the outcomes are out of your hands. But the truth is that there's something else at work that God put into the seed, into every seed. And you just have to be patient. Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters here at a seed in the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Listen to this. All by itself, the soil produces grain. That seed grows. God has put growth in the seed. And when we sow into our kids, when we sow into our marriages, when we sow into our businesses, when we sow into our small groups, when we sow actions, thoughts, time, effort, money, there's something spiritual, something supernatural in that seed that we can trust because God is the God of growth. The key to getting through a long, hot summer season is to trust in the seed that you've sown and not give up. I tell you, can I say to some parents here who've got teenagers who are just doing your head in? Trust in the seed you have sown. And don't give up. Amen.
The fourth and final season is the harvest season, which corresponds to autumn. Harvest is the season of gain. It's when the farmer changes everything and gives 100% to get that crop in before the season changes, before the weather changes. It's a season of great excitement. It's a season of celebration, of action, of effort, of profit, of all of those things. It's a great season. But the hardest thing about a harvest season is that at some point it requires confidence to step into it a confidence that you won't necessarily feel. That's when you need a step of faith. I remember in the kiwi fruit season in May, all of us, you know, we had jobs with orchards, but we're waiting. We just got to wait day after day. And day after day, when the fruit looks ready, man, and it's time, like, you know, it's time. We've got to get this in before the weather turns and the rains come. But every day, they're testing the fruit. Every day, they're testing. Is the sugar... Is the sugar level high enough yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? No, we're not there yet. Are we there yet? No, no, we're not there yet. And then one day, okay, we're there. And now everything changes. And it is all on. And, and, and minivans start pouring into pack houses and people are piling out and we're out there. Man, that is a scary decision to make because if you get that wrong, and the problem is once you've started, you can't stop. You can't unpick fruit. We need to stick those back on the vine. When, you, when you're coming into a harvest season, it takes a step of faith. You've got to step into that. You've got to be willing to let go of something. You've got to be willing to, to move from that long, hot summer season and to go, okay, we, we, it's on now. Everything changes now. You, know, you read churches, you read about churches who, who for some reason God starts pouring out His Spirit. They go into like a revival season and what do they do? Nine times out of ten, everything else goes by the board and they run services night after night after night after night after night after night until God lifts his hand. Why? Because when, when it's harvest time, you've got you've to think differently. You've got to let go of what you've been doing. You've got to step out in faith and believe that this is the time to take hold of something new. Hard work can take you right to the edge of harvest but only faith can take you into it. So the question you need to ask if you think you're in a harvest season, and and, and you've got to realize this, every one of us go through these seasons. Every one of us go through seasons where it's good and rich and it feels fantastic and it's brilliant, a harvest season. Every one of us go through winter seasons when it's terrible and it's difficult and I hate this and I just don't want to be here and I don't know what God's doing. What are you doing, God? Every one of us. Every one of us go through these seasons, make no mistake. And if you're in a harvest season, the question you've got to ask is, what actions must I give 100% to so that the harvest will come in? Three great questions that I find are very helpful. The first one is this, what are our three top priorities for getting this harvest in? What are our three top priorities in this wonderful season we're in? You've got to stay focused in that season. Look, for every married couple here, marriage is the strangest thing, isn't it? It's kind of like this roller coaster ride. It's kind of like, it's kind of like it's, it, there's these wonderful highs, and then there's these horrible lows, and then occasionally there's like a loop-de-loop, and you don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know, but but, it, but it, goes, it goes on. You know, marriage is not a joyful ride on the heights the whole time. Like, it isn't for anyone. But man, if you can stay in your seat, if you can, 
the ride is so worth it. But you know, when it's, when it's not good, you've got to dig deep. When it's not good, you've got to, when you're in a winter season in your marriage, man, you've you got to do some designing. You've got to do some cutting away. You've got to get back to the basics. You've got to work out what kind of marriage you want. I've been there. I've been in a place of going, whew, man, this is tough. I remember in our pre-marriage counseling, a very conservative, wonderful, older pastoral couple once said this to me in our pre-marriage counseling. She said, when you get to the point when you're looking across the room at each other and you're going, I hate this person. And I'm thinking, oh, I thought they had a good marriage. And she goes, no, 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 you, you misunderstand. She said, the problem is, is that every couple gets to something like that. I, I, not that you don't love them, but you really don't like them right now. Amen, married couples? I really don't like them right now. She said, the problem is what the world says is that when you get to that point, the world says, oh, you've fallen out of love. The world says, oh, it's over. But he says, not so. When you get to that point, you're just reaping what you've sown, and now it's time to start sowing at a whole different level. Now it's time to work out what's going on, cut away things that are distracting you. Now it's time to dig in deep. Likewise, when everything is good in your marriage, when it's just wonderful and, and you're loving every moment of it, don't squander that. Don't squander. It's a great time to ask, what are our top three priorities in this harvest season? Write them down. Give yourself 100% to those. Secondly, second question to ask is, what are our three greatest threats to completing the harvest. Song of Songs says, catch for us the foxes, listen to this, the little foxes that ruin the vineyard. A little fox doesn't just ruin a vine. A little fox ruins a vineyard. Likewise, in our marriages, in our businesses, so often it's little things that if we're not paying attention, they can wreck everything. What are the three greatest threats to completing the harvest. Let's give ourselves to eradicating those, taking all measures necessary to guard against those. And then thirdly, I think this is so important, who are the people that we need to include and celebrate with? Because nobody gets to harvest alone. And there's nothing worse when you've been a part of a team and, and, and then that team becomes successful and then one person takes all the glory. Don't be that person. Don't be that person in your marriage. Don't be that person in your business. Don't be that person in your small group. If you're in a great season, whatever you do, share the credit. Whatever you do, celebrate every person who's been a part of that with you. It is so important you do that. We'll get the team up now as we come to a close. I want to say, harvest time is a wonderful season. You know, when things are good and rich and it's working and it's fabulous and you love every part of it. When the business is profitable and customers are coming in flat out. When church is growing, when your small group is fizzing. Harvest season is a great season, but here's the truth, team. It is just a season and it too will pass. Your future is dependent on learning the lessons and keeping on planning ahead for all of the seasons because no season is meant to last forever. Not even harvest season. Yeah, I, I think this, this speaks right into revival theology. 
Why is it that, that no revival lasts forever? I don't think our revival is meant to last forever. I think revival comes, God pours out His Spirit, He places His hand, and He revives and brings back to life the church. And then He says, go again. And then He steps back. No season is meant to last forever. You're meant to step into it, maximize it, then move through that as you will eventually into winter as you pause, as you clear away, and as you plan for what God has in front of you. You know, we see this in the book of Acts, and I think this is fascinating. In Acts chapter 1, we see the disciples in a winter season. Jesus is dead. They've got to cut away everything and just go back to God. They just, they just meet together in an upper room, just praying. They just didn't even know what else to do. Then in Acts 2, chapter, chapters 2 through 4, we see the spring season. When, when the church, the disciples, they're sowing, they're creating new habits, they're meeting together daily, they're breaking bread together daily like Jesus told them to. And then in Acts 4 and 5, we see the summer season. We see persecution for the first time. There's pressure to give up, but they continue to support one another. You know, will they keep going? How's the church going to handle it when it gets tough? But they do. And then in Acts 5 and 6, we see this wonderful harvest season when the church is growing, this huge influence. Priests are being saved. Influential leaders are being saved. I mean, it just, it's just incredible. It's amazing. People are being saved. God's power is manifest. And then what happens? Acts 7 and 8. God takes the church into a winter season. The church is persecuted, scattered from Jerusalem, stripped back once again just to Jesus and them and the gospel that they carry. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of the killing of Stephen. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. What was God doing, right? I mean, they must have been asking, what was, what's God doing? It's been going so well. Time to prune again so that the church could move towards the next harvest, which we find in Acts 10 begins with the salvation of the Gentiles. And now the church is scattered throughout the world, and we see the unfolding of God's original and plan. Go, therefore, into all the nations, Jerusalem, to Judea, all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There is no season that Jesus is not in. We've gone over time. Let me conclude. For Liz and I, one of the interesting things we've noticed is that very often Liz and I are usually in different seasons at the same time. But knowing that is so helpful because we are aware that we each need to focus on different things in the space that God has us in. And knowing that we're in different seasons helps us to have grace for one another and to love and support one another. We can be in one season in our work life and another season in our home life. What's that like? How does that work? It just means you have to do different things at work and 
different things at home, and it's okay, and it's no big deal. But when you understand God's plan with seasons, it helps you navigate those so much more effectively. Church, as we come to a close, I'd love to take an opportunity just to pray for a bunch of people. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you all to stand to your feet now, if you wouldn't mind. We all stand to our feet. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through each of the seasons, and I'm just going to, I'm going to get us all to close our eyes and bow our heads in an attitude of prayer between us and the Lord. And, and I'm going to ask, what season are you in? In fact, I'm going to ask you right now where you're standing to just take a moment and, and pray to the Lord and just ask this question, Lord, what season am I in and what must I be doing now? Lord, what season am I in right now and what must I be doing now? Let's just wait on that just for a moment. allow me, I'd just like to go through each of those four seasons and just ask, you know, hey, if you're in this season, put your hand up and I'd just like to pray for you, for each of us, just for a couple of moments. Winter. Are you in a winter season right now? What needs to end in your life so that you can move forward? What's not essential? What is sick? Unhealthy? What is dead? If you're in a winter season right now, we just lift your hand up. I'm just going to pray for you. Just put it up, lift it up. It's awesome. Hands over there. Wonderful. Great. You can put your hands back down. I'm just going to pray for you. Father God, I pray for every person here who has identified that they're in a winter season. God, we thank you for your word, God, that illuminates things to us. God, you're revealing this to us. God, I just pray for these ones, God, for the courage to prune. For the courage to prune. The courage, God, to cut away and to end what is no longer fruitful even if that means cutting away the very things that their biggest past success hangs on. Courage, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Are you in a spring season? The question is, what do you need to add now so that you will see new results in the future? How do you how do you sow into your own personal growth? How do you sow time and, and finance? If you're in a spring season right now, if you just lift your hand, just put, lift your hand up for a moment. So we've got a bunch of people in spring season. Time for new things. Let me just pray for you. You can put your hands down. Father God, I pray in Jesus' name. God, for every person who's right now in a spring season, for clarity and faith, God, to do new things even though they'll have no fruit now. God, I pray, God, for faith in the seed. God, I pray for faith, God, in putting new things, God, in place in their daily lives, in their weekly lives, God, in their monthly and annual lives. I pray for, for the faith, God, to just do new things, do new things, and to do them in faith, God, sowing for a future season. God, I pray for every one of those people for clarity in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, summer season. Question is, what do I have to keep doing so that the harvest will come? What core habits 
uh, core values, core activities. Must I remain consistent in, even though it's not fun anymore? If you are in a summer season, would you put your hand up right now and give me a wave just so I can see what I'm praying for? Got another bunch of people in a summer season. And, and, and again, you might put your hand up for one season for your marriage, and you might put your hand up for another season for your work. That's fine. Father God, I just pray for every person who identifies in a summer season right now. God, I pray for strength, God. God, I pray for strength, God. I pray for strength and passion to see this through. God, I pray, God, that you'll give them eyes, God, for the prize that is out there. God, I pray that you will give them faith in the seed, God, that they'll be able to just continue. God, I pray for resilience and strength every day to keep on doing the right things, keep on being the right person, God. God, and I pray that you will bring the harvest quickly to them in Jesus' name. And then lastly, the harvest season. What actions must I give 100% to so that the harvest will come in? What are your three top priorities? What are your three top threats in this season? And who do you need to include? That might be your kids. Who do you need to include and celebrate with? Because they are, they've been part of getting you there. If, you, if you're in a harvest season right now, would you lift your hand, give me a wave. I pray for you. Good, we've got some people here in a harvest season. It's just good, it's rich, it's wonderful. Mighty God, I pray in Jesus' name for all of these ones, for the wisdom, God, the wisdom to prioritize, God, the most important things to do. God, the wisdom, God, to see the potential threats and to guard against that. God, and I pray, God, for the, for the gratitude to be able to share the joy with those people around about them. God, I pray, God, for those people in the harvest season, for the permission, Lord, to enjoy it. Guilt-free, to allow themselves the joy of the present, the peace that is to be found in that moment. I pray that for them in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if there's one thing I could say to you, man, get on that journey with Jesus. I gave my, my life to God in a gas station when I was 22 years old. Tell you what changed my life. Never look back. If you have never taken that step, can I encourage you today? to have that conversation with God. It's a simple conversation. It's about saying, God, I do believe that you love me. It's about saying, God, I'm a sinner and my way's not working. It's about saying, Jesus, I'm going to trust you from this point on for my whole life. I'm going to follow you. I believe what you did on the cross was for me, that I can be forgiven, that I can have a new start, that all things can be new for me. It's about receiving that in faith and then stepping out, building that relationship with God. If that's you, as we're going to go into the final song in just a moment, have that conversation with God. Make today, the first day of 2023, that day when everything changes for you. Amen.